As you all know, sharkfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. You can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. Use code SHARP35 for 35% off all products site-wide at sharkfootballanalysis.com. Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar, TA, team over here at Sharp Football, Sharp Football Analysis. Guys, it is week 13, I think. Is it official? Are we done with week 12 now? There's no more games that, that, we're, that we're waiting on uh, that are going to be played on like Friday night before we can get into week 13. I woke up today. I had no idea what day it was after, uh, after we had a, a Wednesday afternoon game. But uh, I think here we are, week 13. It's about to start. So uh, how are we doing? Good. My, my uh, family and my kids and everything, they had a snow day on Tuesday too. So it was even weirder. It kind of threw everything off during the week because uh, we got a bunch of snow here, uh, you know, where I'm at. I don't know if TA got a bunch where he's uh, I'm assuming, I assume we're not too far away that he did, but so that kind of threw up the week uh, all, all together, you know, Caddy Wampus. So uh, we're, we're making it through. We were doing week 13 content during week 12, but in the end, I think it played out for Steelers fans and the Steelers team outside of losing Bud Dupree, how they wanted. I mean, they, you, you should have wanted to play that game this week if you're a Steelers fan instead of a, a week 18 when the Ravens could have Lamar Jackson on the field and Mark Andrews on the field and Clayus Campbell on the field and J.K. Dobbins on the field and the long litany of starters that they had out. So, I mean, they, it wasn't a pretty game, but, you know, the Steelers won that game like they should have. And I will say that for everyone bagging on Kendall Hinton and his performance, those were two guys that the Ravens had that actually do play quarterback that that played in that game. They've played quarterback and practiced as quarterback in the NFL, and they were uh, just as bad as Kendall Hinton. Yeah, that was ugly, but I will say I do like Wednesday afternoon football. I'm not going to lie. I was actually in the middle of a uh, – I was doing a, a work conference call, a Zoom call, not on videos, luckily, and I'm just, I just had the game in the background. It was perfect. So uh, I don't mind a, a random Wednesday afternoon game. But, yeah, it was pretty ugly. And, you know, let's be honest, this is the worst – I hate to say it, this is the worst 11-0 uh, team in NFL history, I'll say, with the Steelers. Like, look at the litany of quarterbacks that they faced. I mean – you're talking about you start with Daniel Jones and go to Jeff Driscoll. Um, you got Carson Wentz, who's been awful this year. We know, you know, Baker Mayfield is terrible against pressure. Um, we got uh, uh, Garrett Gilbert. We got Burrow. We got, I mean, look at the, the list of quarterbacks they get to face. I mean, it's they really benefited from, you know, just a lot of luck here um, from that perspective. Alex Smith, baby. <laughs> well, I mean, look, they, 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 look, we know their defense is good. Well, at least their front seven is good. I still think their, their secondary is very, very uh, susceptible. And we saw it with that Marquise Brown play at the end of the game where they ended up covering because of that broken coverage and Hayden uh, cheating up there. But um, you can definitely throw the ball on them. So if they get that matchup, I mean, look, if they play the Chiefs, in the, in the uh, AFC title game, I, I don't care. As long as that line is under uh, five, six points, I'll be hammering the Chiefs because they'll just be throwing over the top against that defense and Mahomes can uh, create time uh, in the pocket. So, uh, but anyway, it is good to have uh, football in, in midweek. It does screw things up. We were just talking about before the pod, how, you know, I, I load up my, uh, my model with a bunch of uh, updated stats every week and I kind of have a process and the timing usually Tuesday mornings and you know, some of the sites don't even have uh, updated numbers yet because there's a Wednesday night game. So that kind of screws things around, but is what it is. So, uh, but excited to be, uh, you know, we're rounding the corner here on the season last uh, four games uh, for, for a lot of teams. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, 
I don't think there's any snow games on, on tap this week, unfortunately, but uh, you know, I do like December football. So, um, and you know, can't, can't, um, can't end this opening uh, monologue without uh, some Anthony Lynn love. I mean, I just, uh, I've been uh, railing on this guy for three years and finally the, the world gets to see what I've been seeing. It, literally the worst in-game coach I have ever seen in the NFL. And it's too bad because he has a top 10 talented team year in, year out. And he's just atrocious. And I'm sure we'll get to it even more, but I'm just, my head is still spinning from, from all the mistakes he made <laughs> costing me my five and a half point uh, cover for, for the chargers <laughs> on, on Sunday. And it's just, I still, to this day, uh, you know, four days later, I'm just still fuming over how ridiculous he is uh, and how he still has a job. It's pretty, I was, uh, I was really torn during that moment because I, I as well, you know, had the, the chargers, but I also had a bunch of Austin Eckler and DFS. So like when they actually gave him that handoff, I was like, get in, get in. It was like the worst play call ever, but I was like kind of happy it happened. Cause I, I thought maybe he had a chance to punch it in, but uh, it, it, both, both came to be uh, not good, not good at results on any level. And I, you know, good job by Dan on his first and 10 great article every week. He pointed out, uh, you know, what was going on at the end of that game, you know, just all the mistakes. And he had a great, great picture, which I flat out stole. Sorry, Dan, and <laughs> tweeted it out. I actually, uh, it was Mike Williams who had like the, wait, what play are we running? Uh, you know, shrug. Uh, yeah, he had his arms up just like, yeah. what, what, what are we doing? I, I don't know. And I like, circled that's not it. what you want to see, like, as for your wide receiver at the goal line on, on a play you, you need to score. What's even worse, I circled it, I put a question mark, like, you know, just without any commentary. And then someone pointed out, well, look at the bottom of the screen. Uh, Hunter Henry's doing the same thing. It's just not as pronounced. So you have two receivers on, on the field. Like, they have no idea what play they're running. And this is after the spike. I mean, this is like they, they had a call, play call, and they don't know what they're running. And that was what turned out to be the uh, ill-fated quarterback sneak when the rest <laughs> of the line is pass blocking. I've never seen anything like that. He would have walked in the end zone if they were actually uh, run blocking, I think. But just the whole thing was just a complete nightmare. I mean, it's, I looked it up too. I mean, just to me, a a sign of a bad coach is what you do in the second half of games too. I mean, since he's taken over their 30th in the NFL since 2017 and second half point differential versus first half. So even his teams come out and play well in the first half. And I'm sure that's scripted. I'm sure his offensive coordinators do, you know, a nice job of scripting plays for him. And he's had Phillip rivers and he's had good quarterbacks uh, to work with. And obviously Herbert now, but the second half, you know, three of the last four years, he's had negative point differential, which, you know, it's just crazy for a team that talented, especially on offense. Um, and pass rush. And so, I mean, he just continues to make mistakes. He has no idea what he's doing. I mean, it's not even just the end of game. I mean, before the first half, they get to midfield. It's fourth and two, 25 seconds left, one timeout. There's really two options. You either uh, run the clock down to, you know, one second, call timeout and throw a Hail Mary, or you just speed up to the line. Maybe you call timeout, maybe you don't, but you try to get the first down and try to get, you know, at least a long field goal attempt without letting Buffalo have enough time to score on the other side, right? So it's kind of that, um, that game theory there. What does he do? He calls timeout and then he punts like just the absolute worst decision um, you can possibly make. And then, you know, in the fourth quarter, as they're, they're down 10, um, he runs the ball up the middle on fourth and one and a half with Austin Eckler, like up the middle, like just of all, and he, he, he goes tight formation, just no creativity whatsoever. It's just like stuff like this. He constantly, Constantly does the week before against the, the Jets, you know, I had them minus <laughs> had the Chargers minus eight and a half. They're up by 15 late. And, you know, Flacco on a fourth down throws a, a fade ball to Denzel Mims. 
it was clearly juggled and incomplete. The replay showed it. And so Anthony Lynn sits here, has a chance to, to throw the challenge flag and the game. Cause once it's, it's reviewed, the game's over. Cause they're going to call it incomplete. He just sits there with, with the red flag in his pocket and the, the jets end up snapping the ball and they score a touchdown to, to, to have a backdoor cover. And just like these things are just, it, it makes my head explode week in and week out. So now we have this week against the Patriots. And it's funny, uh, Preston Johnson uh, over at the ESPN, he, he DM'd me. He's like, I, I'm writing an article about, you know, what is the value of, of coaching? Because we might have the biggest mismatch in NFL history this week with Anthony <laughs> Lynn versus Bill Belichick. And I said, yeah, my numbers actually have the Chargers minus three. Like I have just raw numbers, Chargers are three points better than, than the Patriots and the line is essentially pick them. And I won't, I refuse to take them. I will not bet them because I think the, the, the betting, the, the coaching mismatch is so huge. I can't really quantify it. I don't think you can really quantify it necessarily because, you know, technically the performance on the field and in the stats uh, reflects some of the coaching decisions, but you know, in a short, in a short spread like that um, I just can't take, Anthony Lynn to essentially win a game over Bill Belichick. I refuse. I mean, maybe they, maybe the Chargers end up blowing him out and it doesn't matter, but if the game is close, he's going to be so outcoached that I refuse to put money on it. So I will be avoiding that game uh, at all costs. I'll be watching it from a distance, just kind of laughing with my popcorn. But um, yeah, uh, this is uh, Anthony Lynn uh, better not have a job next year. Cause I want to see this Chargers team with Herbert, et cetera, um, with a good coach, maybe Eric B who knows, but um, I, I want to see them with a good, with a good coach who has you know, some semblance of a clue of what he's doing. So that's the end of my Anthony Lynn rant. Sorry. <laughs> I really want Joe Brady to get the job there. I want her. Oh, that's a good one this, too. I want that's Joe Brady one. to be, be paired there. There you go. That, that's a great <laughs> Someone with some good offensive mind with, I mean, you have maybe, you know, besides McCaffrey and Kamara, the best you know running back receiver out of the backfield, you've got uh, an excellent tight end underused tight end. In my opinion, Hunter Henry, you've got, one of the top five receivers that maybe in the NFL and, and Keenan Allen, you got, you know, Mike Williams is a, is an excellent number two deep ball receiver. You just have, every, you have all the tools to have a great offense. Um, and you know, they're putting up points and they're actually running, you know, they're, they're throwing the ball a lot, which I, it's good to see, but they should, this team should not have three wins. It's just, it's insane. You have Joey Bosa, you have Melvin Ingram, you have Casey Hayward, you got Chris Harris, you got well, Derwin James, hopefully he comes back next year. So much talent. And they just can't do anything with it. It's 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 unbelievable. So TA told me he had about thirty minutes on Anthony Lynn, and uh, he wasn't kidding. <laughs> oh no, no. And I'm sure there's going to be another thirty minutes next week after what he does Sunday. All right. So uh, with that, as we you know, just we sort of talked about uh, like one of the games going uh, into this week, and we have fifteen games on the slate uh, this week. We have another sort of weird schedule: two Monday games. Uh, Washington and Pittsburgh is going to be uh, 5 p.m. on Monday. And then we have uh, Baltimore and Dallas on Tuesday. So we do still have a bit of a weird schedule here. But uh, 15 games, we have um, you know, two teams is still on bye. This is the last, last bye week. And then it's full from here on out. So uh, we're like we said in the beginning, we are starting to like we're, we're turning the corner. This is a home stretch here. Fantasy playoffs uh, coming up. And all these teams going for the actual playoffs. Uh, going through so um, yeah as we look at this we have we have a couple you know decent games uh, on um, on the docket I think there's a couple interesting uh, divisional games I think one of the most interest really interesting games is not between the division but uh, two teams that 
you know, have two of the best records in the AFC. And we were just, I think Rich was joking before, uh, if we told you before the week that uh, when it came to week 13, that Browns Titans would have the highest total uh, of the week, you'd be a little surprised, but I think that's a really interesting game. And the fact that it's, you know, the highest total, but the Titans are still favored by five and a half points. As I'm looking now at DraftKings Sportsbook, that's, that's really interesting because the Titans, what they did to the Indianapolis last week was just you know, wild. And I think we saw how important, you know, DeForest Buckner can be to that Indianapolis uh, defensive line um, for as much as Derrick Henry did, you know, that, that offensive line for uh, Tennessee just completely plowed through uh, Indianapolis. I wrote, this is something I wrote in first and 10 uh, of the, they're like ex- uh, Derek Henry had a high amount of you know yards above expectation for the NFL uh, next gen stats model, but the yards he was expected to get were also like he was expected to average like 5.4 yards per carry uh, in that game. So that was just a completely dominant uh, piece uh, from that uh, Titans uh, offensive line. So uh, what are you guys uh, looking at in this game, and do you find any part of this um, to be to be enticing to look at? Well, T.A. kind of hit on it during the week. I think one of his tweets is talking about, you know, just taking these games early and, you know, not understanding the ramifications that could happen, you know, by the end of the week with COVID. And the Colts were one of those teams that just got ravaged by the end of the week. Um, And last week was just the by far the worst week of the NFL for COVID. And, you know, hopefully we don't have something at the end of this week with everyone, you know, kind of see hope, you know, hopefully not everyone went and saw their families for the holidays uh, and we don't have another spike at the end of this week. So I can, I can't remember like another Friday, like in recent years, that was like last Friday in terms of players being ruled out for COVID and, you know, just injuries. It was one of the wildest Fridays and the Colts just were, were bludgeoned with guys at the end of the week that that were forced out of that game, uh, especially defensively. I mean, Okariki was also out. who has been one of their better run defenders as well. Uh, and then it showed up on Sunday. I mean, they just, they just got dominated in that game from go. I think, it, I mean, they gave up 35 points to half. Uh, they hadn't allowed that many points in a game all season long. Uh, this, as far as this game goes, it is interesting to see because, I mean, you've got these two teams that, like I said, they are the Spider-Man meme. I mean, they lead their, their one and two in the NFL and 12 personnel run. They don't care that you know that they're running the football, and they're good at running the football when you do know that they're running the football. Uh, you know, the Tennessee runs about the league highest rate on first down outside the fourth quarter. The Browns are third. Uh, they just, like I said, they don't care. They get And both these guys are capable of splash play runs. And that's what happens, too, when you have, you know, when you do know the run is coming and you sell to stop the run the back door and the gate gets open and you see guys like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb able to just reel off these long, long gains. Uh, and Nick Chubb's just been excellent so far in his whole, whole end of her career. You know, yards per carry don't matter, but at a point they do. It's like quarterback rating. It's not a good stat, but like a really good quarterback rating that's an outlier tells you something. And Nick Chubb's yards per carry are telling you something for his career. Now, the fact that he's had one game this season where he's averaged less than 5.6 yards per carry is is insane. Uh, it's I mean, he just he's ripping off like these crazy chunk games. Uh, at any point he can rip off a 50 yard run um ESPN's like actually bet the prop one of their things was in the Browns game was will the Browns have a 50 yard run that's how many 50 yard runs they've been having this year uh to go and say that but we have not seen the Browns punch up yet so far this season I mean we have not really seen it I mean the they they had like three real bad weather games so it's like hard to like really get a judge uh that was the first game we've seen uh but can they go and, and take on an AFC team like legit contender I mean the Colts were as good 
good as it got. Uh, maybe Tennessee's in that same, you know, corollary, but, you know, can the Browns punch up? And they've been a really bad road team going back in the last year. They've actually covered the spread in just one of their past 11 road games, and it was the Dallas game this season. So, you know, can the Browns, you know, punch up and answer? I think that we've got a lot of questions defensively uh, if they can actually, you know, fill the bill here. Yeah, and, you, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, it's kind of odd that we have two run-heavy teams and such a high total. So I took the over early in the week, 54. I mean, if you break it down, look, this really um, – this looks like a game very similar to early in the season when we saw Minnesota play Tennessee. And what, what was the final score of that game? It was 31-30, mm-hmm. right? And so, to me, I think both of these coaches know – they're smart. I mean, they, they know what, what the other defenses do. Both pass defenses are pretty bad, um, but you know both pass rushes are below average. I mean, the Titans have the 31st ranked um, pass rush in the NFL when it comes to pressure rate. Now, what's crazy is not only do they have the second lowest pressure rate, okay, they don't have J- Jadavian Clowney anymore. So he was actually, you know, obviously his numbers are into that um, that 31st ranking. So they're really probably the worst team in the NFL. They've only faced one offense in the NFL that ranks in the top 12 in lowest pressure rate, and that was the Steelers, okay? So in that game, no sacks, only a 17% pressure rate on Big Ben. Um, and that's because, he, you know, he, he throws it so quickly. But they faced six teams that rank in the bottom 10 in pressure rate allowed. I mean, remember when they faced the, the Bengals a couple of weeks ago, the entire Bengals offensive line was out. So they faced a bunch of backups, and they yeah. couldn't. They couldn't generate pressure, and I think Burrow put up 31 on that defense. So this is a this is a terrible pass rush. It was I think hit it's, twice. I think yeah, it was hit twice in that game. Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, this is a horrible pass rush. All they have is Jeffrey Simmons, who by the way did not practice yesterday. So keep an eye on that. I mean, it might get, it might be even worse. So I think um, and, and look, the Titans um, have a you know decent run defense, but they're 26 and explosive run rate allowed. Um, so you know, as you mentioned, you know Chubb hasn't been the most efficient running back, but. I mean, he breaks off huge runs every single week, especially the fourth quarter. What he does is essentially what Derrick Henry has been doing. He did it last year where just, you know, you, you might be you know, uh, stopping him, bottling him up, and then he just breaks off a gigantic run. So, I mean, look for that. Um, you know, so you've got that advantage from kind of a, a, a explosive play perspective. I mean, defensively, the Titans are 26 and explosive pass plays allowed. So I think the Browns can, can move the ball on this defense. So they'll stay in it and they'll put up points. The other side of the ball, the Browns are 31st in uh, success rate allowed uh, against the run. Um, but, you know, the, they have not faced a running back like Derrick Henry. Um, so I tweeted this earlier this week. I mean, they've only faced two top 10 run offenses or in terms of running backs when it comes to uh, success rate. And that, I mean, that was Washington and Dallas. I wouldn't say Washington's really a great run offense, um, but in terms of success rate, they, they fit. Um, and it, in those games, I mean, against Antonio Gibson and uh, Zeke Elliott and, and uh, Pollard, um, they allowed 119 yards on 24 carries, so almost five yards per carry, and a ridiculous 63% success rate, which is crazy. I mean, Gibson only had nine carries in that game, and he, uh, he really produced a bunch of um, successful plays. So Derrick Henry is by far the best running back that they have faced. I mean, you saw James Robinson had a really nice game against them last week. So you can get yardage on this, on this Browns. Uh, run defense and then even worse the pass defense now um, you know the pass defense has been okay but again it's masked by those bad weather games they had three bad weather games were against Deshaun uh, Watson and Derek Carr especially I mean those quarterbacks don't have really strong arms so they couldn't throw the ball with that uh, essentially hurricane type wins so their numbers are masked by that Um, and then now you get 
in an issue in their secondary, Denzel Ward, who missed the last game. Um, he's he's going to miss again. Uh, he's a top 10 corner in this league. Kevin Johnson's going to have to step up and, and guard AJ Brown. He's, he's an okay. You know, he's more of a slot cover guy, but um, you know, he's going to have to step up and go outside and he's not a good tackler. I mean, he ranks out of 131 cornerbacks in the NFL. He's 109th in tackling efficiency. Denzel Ward was was top 35, so he was a much better tackler. We know AJ Brown is who's you know number two in all the yak uh, uh, behind Debo Samuel, all the yak numbers. He's just a you know a monster in breaking tackles. And now we have you know the Browns' biggest issue has always been secondary uh, safety position. Andrew Sandejo is by far the worst um, defensive player on that team. He's one of the worst safeties in the NFL by most any metric. Um, Ronnie Harrison came in uh, early in the year and he stabilized the position. He's actually graded really high by PFF. He's he just really done a nice job. Now he's out. And so they, they put in Carl Joseph, who is clearly just a, he's just a run stopper. He doesn't, doesn't do anything in coverage. I tweeted out earlier today. I mean, he's uh, among safeties who have uh, played at least 15 um uh, who've at least been targeted 15 times in coverage, he's allowed by far the highest TD rate. He's allowed five touchdowns in t- uh, on 20 targets while in coverage, 25% rate. The second highest is 18%. Um, Sandejo's ninth worst. So th- these guys are in trouble in the secondary. So there could be a situation where I think early on, the Titans might just say, screw the run. We don't have to run. We could just run play action. You guys think we're going to run because that's all we do. And we're just going to throw it over, over top. And so you might see, and I was telling uh, Rich earlier, I, I, a lot of people might be going after the Derrick Henry, uh, you know, DFS game. But to me, this is a this is a clear Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown stack game, and maybe even John U. Smith. Like those those to me are guys that I want to target just from a from a DFS standpoint to be a little contrarian. I just think they have better matchups overall, and for the price, I think it's fantastic. So long winded answer, but I think there's gonna be a ton of points here. I think. Um, neither team's really going to stop each other. And, you know, Baker Mayfield <laughs> missed a couple easy throws last week, but, you know, that system is so perfect for him. I mean, these guys are wide open uh, off the play action because the, the run game is so good that, you know, he, he can miss a few throws and still have a good, um, good game overall. So expect a lot of fireworks, a lot of points. Weather looks to be kind of mid-50s and sunny, Doesn't not a lot of wind. So uh, that's, you know, uh, obviously being a Browns fan, I'll be watching anyway, but I think it's one of the better games of the week. So, um outstanding game from from all fronts for me and I think the thing we see with with Baker and that passing offense and whether that can really get going is you know when Baker is comfortable and he trusts what he's looking at he's been pretty good this year the the problem is he hasn't always been comfortable or trusting what he's looking at I think we saw it with that uh you know miss to uh Richard Higgins on that why what should have been a wide open touchdown where he also had you know Kareem Hunt on a on a little angle route that was probably also wide open he just didn't really trust the timing he didn't trust his footwork I think if you look at what he was like in the pocket uh his feet were parallel to the line of scrimmage that's not what you want from a clean pocket that's something that's usually going to you know have errant throws more often uh, than not. Uh, but I think when, when you have him on, on these bootlegs and he trusts what the offense is doing, then then you're getting him there. And and I just don't think the, the coverage for Tennessee um, is – it going to be, you know, as good as, especially at like disguising coverages that's gotten Baker uh, a lot this, this year. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of potential for this to have points and for Cleveland to be able to, to scheme up some things against uh, this Tennessee defense. Another game that I'm kind of fascinated with is two other uh, AFC South teams 
Uh, we kind of talked about the Colts a little bit, but they're playing the Texans, who uh, right now look like the the best team in the league, uh, apparently, if if you're uh, going off of what they did uh, on Thanksgiving and how well Deshaun Watson is playing. Right now, Deshaun Watson is third uh, in EPA per dropback uh, among quarterbacks behind only Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Sports Info Solutions has him as the only quarterback with at least 100 attempts who has positive EPA on at least 60% of his attempts right now. So uh, from what the Texans looked like earlier in the season to what they look like now is completely different, but uh, no Will Fuller, uh, who is now uh, out because of a uh, suspension for a PED uh, violation. Um, So there's going to be shifting around um, the wide receivers a little bit. We don't really know what that passing game is going to look like now. It's going against a Colts defense uh, that has been pretty good against the pass. Um, And they've been able to, they've been able to mix up a lot of their coverages and and confuse some quarterbacks. Um, So uh, what what are we looking at here right now? I'm looking at uh, the Colts minus three and a half on the road with a a point total of 51. Yeah, I think this is a great bounce back spot for the Colts. We just talked about how many guys that they were missing last week. Uh, I don't think that, that that game is indicative of what their defense is. And they, they're not a big play defense. You know, they're, they're built to stop the, the big play. You know, since Matt Everfluss has been there, they, they, they rank typically in like the top three in zone coverage uh, in the NFL, which is going to be a problem, I think, this game for the Texans. Because now when you remove Will Fuller from the equation, we have this – think about from the start of the year. I mean, we thought this – you know, Dan, me and you did a podcast and so we're talking about this, this wide receiver unit. And now you release Kenny Stills, you lose Randall Cobb, you lose Will Fuller. Uh, what looked like a stacked receiver room as far as the vertical game is now kind of just down to Brandon Cooks uh, and Stephen Mitchell and Isaiah Coulter filling in for Will Fuller and, you know, Kiki QT filling in for Randall Cobb. I mean, it's the cupboard has really gotten kind of bare here in a hurry. I think Deshaun Watson is probably too good to completely fail and fall on his face, but this is a really really tough spot when you look at their weaponry on offense. And when you look at his career splits without Will Fuller, he's averaged uh, 53.1 fewer passing yards per game in his 16 starts with Will Fuller out and one and a half yards per pass attempt. And that's with DeAndre Hopkins on the field still in all those starts. So now we've got Brandon Cooks, who I think Brandon Cooks is a lot of people have forgotten is one of the most precocious, you know, performers in the NFL since he entered the league. I mean, he's only 27 years old. He's already his first five years. He had 4,000 yard receiving seasons, three with different quarterbacks and different systems. He's not a prototypical wide receiver one, but he is a good player. Um, And that's kind of was lost based on his 2019 season. But just asking Brandon Cooks to carry this passing game, I think it's going to be a lot to ask, especially against a team that plays so much zone coverage like the Colts do. Uh, And then I think on the other side, it's still going to be set up for, you know, the they still can't just stop the run. I mean, at all. I mean, they got out to a big lead on the Lions. So we've seen the ghost of Adrian Peterson kind of, you know, rip out some runs. There was in the, in the, to start that third quarter of that Texans game on Thanksgiving, the Lions went down and ran like 10 straight runs just right down the, te- the, the Texans' throat. And just the Texans couldn't do anything about it. And that was Adrian Peterson and on Johnson. Uh, I mean, granted, we haven't seen the Colts really run the ball effectively consistently this season, but I think it is a good spot for their offensive line here uh, to kind of play above the performance that they've had. Um, I, I think it's a great bounce back spot. I mean, short division dogs have been really good this year um against the spread so i mean that'd be the one thing to kind of go against but the colts have uh, are four and one against the sean watson uh covering the spread all time uh in his starts so i mean uh with the loss of will fuller and what the impact it's going to be on this offense i think the colts are in a really good spot here i mean look at rich throwing out precocious i mean i didn't know it's that kind of pot i mean what are we doing here i gotta toss out big words now um uh, <laughs> 
But uh, you, yeah, you hit a lot of the good points that, that I hit. I, I actually, the Colts, you know, as Rich mentioned a little bit ago, like last week, I, I thought I got screwed with a lot of taking these games early and then, you know, the COVID uh, uh, announcements and injuries. There's just so many things that happened late in the week that I just was sitting there like, oh, shoot, I wish I wouldn't have taken the side. Uh, I ended up going five and three somehow. I don't know how, but, um, you know, so th- I, I tried, you know, this week I said I was going to avoid taking a lot of sides early just because there's so much um, uh, news that have been is coming out like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, but the one I just couldn't resist is the Colts at minus two and a half. I got it minus um, 120. So I paid a little bit. It was literally the minute that Will Fuller was announced out. I just jumped all over it because mm-hmm. um, I know the importance. And you just, you, you talked about the the splits. I mean, it's kind of infamous in the Twitter uh, fantasy world, right, Rich? With the, the, the splits between uh, with Will Fuller on and off the field. And I don't think it's noise. I think it's legit. I mean, he's such a, a, a game breaker um, that he helps that offense and Deshaun Watson so much. I mean, he's top 10 in, in touchdowns. He's, he's, he's got a 30% air yard target share. He's 14th in the NFL in yards per route run. He's been awesome this year. Um, and it just changes how that offense um, is constructed. And then you also, you know, you forget they cut Kenny Stills and Randall Cobbs out. So you've got three of your top four receivers are gone. So all you got Brandon Cooks, who's, you know, he functions way better as kind of that number two, I think, than stepping up to a, a number one slot, especially against a good defense like the Colts. So I think from that perspective, um, you know, Colts have a big advantage. Uh, they're supposedly, again, you never know with this COVID stuff, but uh, from what I read yesterday, looking at Frank Reich's comments, it sounds like Buckner has had no setbacks. Same with the D'Amico Autry who missed last week's game in terms of uh, COVID issues. So it doesn't seem like they're really symptomatic or have any setbacks. So they are eligible to most likely play Sunday as long as they test negative. So assuming that happens, you know, they're going to get a lot of their reinforcements back. Uh, Okariki did uh, practice on a limited basis yesterday as well. So he should, you know, probably will be back. So that's going to, you know, be obviously hugely impactful for that defense. And then, you know, on the other side of the ball, I mean, again, outside of Fuller, Bradley Roby being out is huge. I mean, that's kind of the unsung uh, injury. Um, you know, he's 19th in the NFL, according to PFF in coverage uh, among cornerbacks. And this is a terrible pass defense. So you're taking out the only uh, secondary, uh, only guy in that secondary that's actually played well. Now you've got Vernon Hargraves, who's maybe one of the worst top 10 picks in the NFL in the last handful of years. He's 112th in the NFL in um, coverage grade, according to PFF, out of 119 cornerbacks. Uh, their number th- the, the, the number two cornerback now is Philip Gaines, who's a journeyman, uh, who's 99th uh, in coverage grade. Um, so, who, who, I mean, who, who are they throwing out there? So their pass defense gets even worse. We, As Rich mentioned, they, they, they can't stop the run. I mean, they're 32nd in the NFL in, in short passes, according to DVOA. And what does Philip Rivers target? He targets tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. So really that he's not going up top necessarily. He's throwing short. He's attacking your linebackers and your safeties. Uh, the, the Texans are 29th in yards per attempt allowed and success rate allowed to tight ends. I mean, it's just all the matchups point to uh, the Colts here. And the Colts have done a really good job of bouncing back after losses. They've, they've won every time they've lost uh, the prior week. And it feels like everyone wants to throw dirt on the Colts. Like every time they lose, it's like, ah, that's who they really are. Phillip Rivers is washed up. This team is overrated. And they come back uh, with a great performance. I mean, the last time this happened, I think, was against the Lions, where I know a lot of people were on the Lions. I was on the Colts, and they just totally blew them out. Um, and so I, I think we can see a similar thing here. I think this is a real gut punch to – this Texans team was playing well, but once you lose your, you know, you're essentially your best offensive weapon and your best 
um, you know, the secondary member, like this is, that's just a killer. Um, you know, three and a half is less desirable, obviously. Um, but I still think this, you know, I, I would have this game, um, you know, modeled out at kind of a four and a half point spread, um, which is why I jumped on it so early. Cause I just getting under that key number three was huge, but I still think that you should be okay. Uh, maybe take them on the money line that might uh, help you out a little bit, but um, yeah, I really like Colts from a side perspective. Yeah, this is a, just a wild game for a Texans perspective because you know in a normal season you would think this is kind of you know almost not what you want, but uh, you know a not a bad situation to be in. You saw what Deshaun Watson can be um, when everything is full strength and then you're a bad team. You lose a couple guys, so you're going to lose out a couple games, but they don't have a first round pick and that's going to go to Miami. So um, losing all of these wide receivers uh, facing a difficult schedule over the next couple games, like and that doesn't even help them uh, at all either. I've just kind of been thinking about some of these, you know, GM openings and, and what some of these teams are going to be looking at going forward and, and their situations and, and the tech, like I've been playing around with over the cap a little bit. I think you can open up uh, enough uh, eventually with with some cuts and and potentially some trades and and you know restructure Laramie Tunsil. But it, it's it's an interesting thing where you know you could be you know building toward a, a you know a really high draft pick here and and Houston just doesn't have that. So it's a, it's a crazy thing to to think of, of what this team is going to look like going forward. And you don't really know what you're going to be getting for the next you know a couple of games because it's not even like there's a, enough young players on on this roster to you know, figure out what they could be uh, it's just you, you gotta just hope Deshaun Watson continues to to ball out and uh and we'll, we'll see what they can do against this uh Titans or sorry this Colts uh defense here um, well, let me ask you real quick uh is one thing I just saw on Twitter the Nico Autry was just activated off the COVID list so that's that's a good sign for them so that's a big piece coming back he's actually uh He's got almost a 10% pressure rate. Like he's a, he's a really solid um, defense alignment for the Colts. So that's good. So it's, I think it bodes well for Buckner as well. But also you bring up a good point with the Texans. I mean, I've seen people ask, hey, you know, with these coaching vacancies, who do you want to coach? Like where, where do the Texans rank? So you've got uh, one of the, you know, the better quarterbacks in the NFL who's young, who's under contract, um, but you have no assets essentially. Um, where do they rank in terms of, you know, coaching desire is that is just the quarterback enough um, to get you to, to want that job versus like the chargers who have a great young quarterback on a cheap contract and tons of talent, uh, but have no home field advantage that have, you know, uh, terrible ownership. Like it's, it's a tough, um, it's a tough question. Like, where do you guys see, you know, I would always just say, give me the quarterback and I'll figure this stuff out later. I mean, you can play around with the cap. You can, you can plug holes with third and fourth round picks. You've got J.J. Watt, who, you know, you could potentially trade in the offseason. Uh, who knows? Maybe you, you get back like a second and a fifth or something. I, you know, maybe you can you can recoup some of these assets. Um, you know, wh- where do you guys fall in that kind of uh, Houston versus Chargers versus everyone else in terms of, you know, potential vacancies? Yeah, in terms of, you know, the vacancies that are currently open right now, I think I still have Houston number one, and that is simply because of Deshaun Watson. I think there was a lot of discussion about, you know, uh, Houston or Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville has a whole bunch of cow space. They have the two first-round picks. They have two second-round picks. But you're hoping in the best of the best-case scenarios that one of those first-round picks turns into Deshaun Watson, right? If Jacksonville right now offered those two first-round picks to Houston for Deshaun Watson, 
Houston's probably not taking that deal. So I think we sometimes overrate uh, you know, the, the potential first round picks in these type of scenarios. You're hoping in, in the best of the best case scenarios that, that one of those first round picks turns into Deshaun Watson. Um, so I, yeah, I think there is enough that you can kind of maneuver around. And you, know, you saw what we just talked about, what Deshaun Watson can do with you know, just enough around him. Like it doesn't even have to be great around him in order for it to turn out uh, to be well, and then if I'm you know, coaching or the general manager, I kind of probably trust in my abilities a little bit to build around that. Um, so um, I think they're still at the highest. Uh, I haven't really thought about the Chargers much because, uh, you know, one, it's not officially open yet. And I'm not even sure oh, if, it's, if it's going to be open. Um, to be oh, honest, man. they love Anthony Lynn, man. They Stop like it. they do. And it's just like they, <laughs> they like his personality. Obviously, he is a bad in-game coach. Uh, but I think there, there's so many other things that uh, can go into coaching that the, the Chargers like about Anthony Lynn. So I, I'm not totally convinced that he's gone at the end of the season. Um, but we found a hey, rich, we found uh, Anthony Lynn's burner. It's Dan, it's Dan's. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not defending him as a coach, <laughs> but I do. I, if I'm looking at what the Chargers are thinking, uh, which has never been, you know, good, they, they don't look at, you know, the analytics. I'm not even sure if they have an analytics staff. I think when uh, Seth Walder of uh, ESPN stats and info kind of did, um, uh, a look at who, um, each NFL team employs as, you know, who they consider an analytics staffer. I think the Chargers either had zero or one uh, people on staff, and that was, you know, the fewest in the league. So, like, they're not really a forward-thinking type of franchise. So, I'm, uh, like, it's not a decision I would make, but I'm not convinced the Chargers are going to make a move at head coach. Well, let me, I'll just, you know, just, just put this in your back pocket. So, the GM is Tom Telesco. He went to John Carroll. Rich, you know John Carroll University very well. Um, you know who else is at John Carroll? It was Josh McDaniels. It was Nick Casario, Greg Roman. Um, there are a lot of connections here. Just keep an eye on uh, McDaniels over there, uh, potentially Greg Roman. So I'm just saying if he has any say in it, like those are a lot of connections. And he obviously got the enemy. But you're right. Ownership is, I mean, it's one of the worst ownership groups in the NFL. So they can do anything. And I agree. Like there, there's more to co- the coaching than just in, on field, like the strategy. Um, you know, Anthony Lynn, by all accounts, is a great guy. He's a great human being. And the players obviously play hard for him. They love him. But at some point, I mean, you're just wasting. There's going to be enough pressure that I think um, he's just going to be going to be pushed out. But um, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm selfish too. I personally want to see someone else in there that can maximize this Chargers team because uh, they just have been wasting it. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but I think it's an interesting uh, question kind of going forward. What, what uh, kind of which franchise is set up? Um, I mean, look, maybe you get instead of Will Fuller, you go with Robbie Anderson, kind of a cheap Robbie Anderson version in free agency. You can kind of get those you know, speed guys to really help out. So I think you can fill, uh, fill those situations. But um, any other games you guys are looking at that? I mean, we should probably talk about um, some of the bigger games uh, of the uh, um, on the slate. Is there anything else, Rich, that you see as, as value? I mean, I, I, I don't see a lot of um, – I think the Rams Cardinals is interesting. The fact that the Rams are, you know, minus three is kind of a, you know, open my eyes. Do you guys have any thoughts on, on that? You know, the Cardinals going up against, you know, uh, Jared Goff, who's been kind of horrible lately. Is he going to get benched? What are we doing here? (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, that, that game is interesting too. I mean, cause it's, it, it feels like such a trap. You're like we know that there is an outcome where like it could, that game could be really fun and those offenses can click. Um, I mean, but we've got, I mean, look at the, both of those teams are tied. Uh, both those teams have had eight of their 11 games go under the game total this season. It's uh, tied to the Giants for the highest in the league. Uh, so, I mean, you talk about the Rams. I mean, I feel like McVay and, and st- that staff has done a really uh, great job. I mean, I forget the defensive coordinator's name. It's uh, off the top of my head, but they've done a great ben job. Ben Staley, yeah. He's done great. Yeah, yeah John Carroll. Great That's job another week, John Carroll guy. Yeah, week to week. Uh, like, I feel like the Rams are one of these teams that they have just week to week for, how, for their opponent. And uh, last week was just, I, I think, a terrible matchup for them and, and for Goff in particular, their quarterback. I mean, because you've talked about it, TA. I brought it up. Uh, you know, the 49ers, where they are good defensively is where the Rams want to throw the ball. And, you know, if you can't challenge the 49ers vertically, like they're going to look all right. They're going to, their defense is going to play pretty well. And that's why they've had so much success against golf in his career. He's played his past four times. He's played the 49ers. He's been under 60% completions in all of those games. And he looked lost last week, a week after he looked, the game plan was great. And they had him wing the ball around uh, against the bucks. You know, the first half of that game where he looked good. He did, he did kind of stumble in the second half of that game and made some kind of really questionable decisions, but They've adjusted their game plan week to week. So I'm curious to see what they do. Cause this is a Cardinals defense that is better than the version that they faced last year that they just were, they just railroaded the, the Cardinals in two games last year. They just blitz cragged them uh, with short pass. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, uh, if, if golf can kind of get back on track this week. Uh, I'm more interested in the, in the Cardinals side. I mean, this Cardinals team, every time I think I have them figured out, um, <laughs> I just, I'm lost again. Uh, and, you know, we got Kyler. I don't know if it's the shoulder or teams cluing in. Uh, he said teams have, have been like kind of keyed in on not uh, allowing him to run and saying, just let the, let him on RPOs, give it to the running back. Who cares? Like just, who cares? Just make sure he's, he's not running with the football. That's kind of how the Patriots approached it last week um, and had some success. So I'm curious to see if it's, the, if it's the shoulder, just teams adjusting because the one thing about Kyler so far through, this stage of his career and me and Dan have talked about it a few times I brought it up is that if you force him to just rely on passing acumen he's hasn't got there yet you know he's had moments that where where you you see the, the flashes of him but when he has to just rely on his arm he he's just kind of been league average at best as a passer. Uh, so, I mean, if teams take away that rushing that he's been so dependent on this season, uh, you know, can, can they scheme up something this game like the Patriots did and make him have to throw the football uh, because they don't move DeAndre Hopkins. He plays 85% of his, of his, of his snaps on one position uh, on a split left wide. Dan's talked about it. They run the, 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 the three by one stack. Uh, and, the, and knowing the Rams and how they've approached games, if they can take away the run and just either put Jalen Ramsey out there or put Jalen Ramsey on someone else and just divert coverage over in that direction uh, on DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it's, it feels like just from a novice stance, like it's not hard to stop what the Cardinals want to do if you can successfully do it. The talent makes it hard to stop because DeAndre Hopkins is excellent right. and Kyler Murray is excellent at using his feet. But from a schematic stance, it feels like they should be able to come up with something here like the Patriots did uh, to kind of slow this offense down. And when you, they have to rely on the pass, they aren't as good as you would think an air raid passing team would be. Yeah, it's just like it taking the run threat. It's just it just completely shifts what uh, the, the Cardinals can do, and it, it just it, it's a completely different offense uh, without that threat there. And I think it's it's a little bit of both. I think, and you know, I think they're they're coy about the injury. They're saying it's not that, but you know, 
Kyler only ran five times against the, the Patriots last week. Um, there were a couple, uh, you know, handoffs where you know, he could, and probably like 100% Kyler Murray, it takes off and runs. There was one like third and two late uh, in, in the game where he uh, handed off to uh, Kenyon Drake. And it, it like no one keyed in on uh, Kyler. Uh, so it, it wasn't as if, um, you know, no one oversold either way, but like a healthy Kyler was taken off and running to, to the outside and, and getting the first down because he would have had the confidence in, him, in himself to do that. And he only had five rushes. Two of them weren't until uh, the second to last drive uh, of the game where they really needed uh, to move the ball. So there was a, uh, there was a, a read option that he took uh, and then he scrambled on the next play for, for a first down. So, um, um, it's just that completely taking away that element sh- shifts uh, what the Cardinals can do. So uh, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, another week uh, with that, but it's also interesting. And I, I wrote about this in first and 10 also. And as I was thinking about it, you know, uh, having not running because of the shoulder injury is uh, a fascinating thing because, Kyler so rarely gets hit when he runs mm-hmm. uh, just because his spatial awareness is so good. Um, his uh, ability to just shift the geometry on defenders uh, is so good. Uh, he slides, you know, early in his career, he was sliding like to the detriment of, of gaining some other yards. Like he left some yards on the field when he was running uh, because he avoided hits so well. Uh, and he was so apt to slide when he was in the open field and any defender came near him. Um, so he's, he's so rarely getting hit. I think he's more likely to get hit when he's in the pocket um, than when he's scrambling in, in the open field. So I, I think that's, that also is just an interesting dynamic that it brings of whether that shoulder injury really was, you know, stopping them from running because it just, the, the injury rate here. And I think we've had, you know, sports info solutions did a, a, a write up uh, for a sharp football analysis last year about how um, design quarterback runs are, the least likely to get a quarterback injured. They're much more likely to get injured from the pocket uh, when they're scrambling, when they don't, um, when they're not expecting pressure. So when you're getting hit from the blind side and you're not ready for it, that's when you're more likely to get hit than when you're on a design run and, and you're preparing yourself. So I think that's just something we need to uh, look at for, for Kyler. And maybe, you know, like I said, another week uh, removed from that shoulder injury will help him uh, do that. But yeah, this is just such an interesting thing because these two quarterbacks just well, the past couple of weeks have not been playing as well as they could have. And I think Jared Goff is, you know, what we expect Jared Goff to be. Uh, he's going to have some great games when everything is uh, perfect and schemed up well. Uh, and when he's facing pressure or uh, not getting the looks he's supposed to, um, he's just, he's not going to be good. And that's what like Jared Goff is, is an average quarterback. So you're going to see the variance on each side uh, of that. So we would, shouldn't really be surprised. And I think what we see from the Cardinals defense is uh, we're going to have to see that. I mean, uh, Hassan Reddick has been, you know, better as an edge rusher. I think the, the trade of Marcus Golden has been, a good he's flash when he's has gotten on the field and he's gotten on the field much more than he was with the giants and he's a very good a pass rusher there who's been uh you know disrupting some passes and i think we've started to see we saw two weeks ago isaiah simmons was really starting to figure it out and then he didn't really get on the field uh against new england so there's there's still a lot of of pieces uh, on that 
um, Arizona uh, defense. So we'll see. I, I think it's just going to be, you know, how these teams are schemed up on offense and who's going to take advantage um, more and possibly who is going to have the, the more high leverage fourth down situation uh, where the coach uh, actually kind of, you know, gets aggressive and goes for it. Because it's real interesting. Sean McVay is still, you know, the bottom of the league and going for it on fourth and short. And for, you know, an offensive guy who's been so innovative, that's been his one thing that's really held him back. And then you have Cliff Kingsbury on the other side, who in almost every situation has been really good and aggressive. Sometimes you can, you know, a quibble with the play call, whether it's, you know, going right up the middle with a running back instead of having, you know, putting the ball in Kyler's hands, but he's been really aggressive on almost every fourth down, except for the super high leverage ones where he's kicked two field goals uh, this year that have pretty much cost Arizona the game. Um, so it, it's, it's really interesting because he's one of the most aggressive coaches on fourth down, except for those big those two really big uh, plays that that have flipped games. So you know, it's just, I think this is going to be a, a really good coaching matchup. Um, and whichever one adjusts, I think not only going into the game, but adjusts in game. And I think, you know, that's something Cliff has been really good at. Um, you know, going back to last year, I think he um, adjusted really well from the first half to the second half. Uh, he's adjusted well, I think, from the second half of last year to this year. And I think he he's done some good stuff there. And like you said, you know, Sean McVay has been someone who has been uh, adjusting really every game and, and on both sides of the ball. So uh, this is a game I'm really looking forward to to watching and seeing whether, um, you know, these teams are, are the best versions of themselves or if, you know, the other team is going to scheme up enough to, to stop it. And, and that, that's going to be the interesting uh you know back and forth we see here yeah and i so i'm debating so my my numbers have the rams actually a five point um i have them as kind of minus five um so when the line did come out i actually i missed it i should have gone early but again I, i'm trying to avoid some of these <laughs> not having uh, enough information and just being, you know backfiring later down the week so I, I held off and the line climbed up to three i think it's at two and a half maybe you can pay a lot of juice but um you know, like I said, I, I just think that the matchup is just so much better for the Rams. Um, you know, you got, like I said, if you take away DeAndre Hopkins, then what? I mean, even D- what, Darius Williams, who's uh, the other corner for the Rams, is, is top five in the NFL in coverage grade, according to PFF. So he's no slouch either. Um, and who knows if Larry Fitzgerald plays and whatever you think of him, at least as a security blanket, is a good third down threat uh, to get you kind of the, 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 those clutch yards. Um, and if Kyler is hurt, I mean, the fact that he's not running as much, you know, for whatever reason, like that just takes away such a huge weapon for them, you know, against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, you know, to me, it's like, where do you go if you're, if you're Arizona? On the other side of the ball, I mean, we know that golf struggles against pressure. And, you know, Arizona is just kind of middle of the pack uh, from a pressure perspective. They don't have a great pass rusher. Um, you, can, you can attack them in kind of the short side of the field. You know, so, I mean, they're really good defending the deep ball, but short, you know, kind of short passes They're, you know, just kind of okay. I, I, you know, to me, I think that if you can get two and a half and you don't have to lay a ton of juice, I think it's probably the right side. I'm just going to hold off and just see, see where things fall. But, um, you know, that one jumped out to me as kind of, was a little surprised. And then when I ran the numbers, I'm like, well, actually it does make sense. And it was like too late by the time that uh, I was able to figure that out. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, Arizona games are always interesting. They always come down in the last minute. So, um, you know, but the Rams, whenever they're a big favorite, they struggle whenever they're kind of a short favorite, like they were against Seattle. Um, you know, they, they do end up, uh, 
they do end up uh, uh, covering. So um, we'll be it will be a fun one. Is there anything else? Any other games you guys are looking at? I mean, I know for me personally, I did uh, hit the under in that Saints Atlanta game just because Taysom Hill just all he does is run. He can't throw still. And Atlanta's defense is actually one of the best in the NFL last handful of weeks. Um, so I like that under 46. And I took the over in uh, Minnesota Jacksonville. Or my man Mike Glennon. He was attacking the he was attacking the deep shots last week. He he's 17% deep shot rate. He would be second most in the NFL. If it he was said during the week. He was he was like, hey, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna get to start again. I'm gonna let it I'm gonna let it go. He missed a few. Keelan Cole had at least two walk-in touchdowns that uh, oh. he missed him on. Uh, Rich, I, I had Keelan Cole in like all my my big DraftKings <laughs> lineup. And I mean, you look at the air yards numbers. I mean, Keelan Cole is like at the top of the list. He just missed him and he dropped a touchdown in the end zone too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's taking shots and you can take shots against this Minnesota secondary. And we know oh, he is yeah, yeah. Cousins well. I mean, Jacksonville has no secondary left and, you know, they're going to get burned by the deep ball. So I just think a lot of points coming up here. So I like that over <laughs> Sure. Yeah, every game in Minnesota has gone over too so far, and we we got there in a weird way last week with the, the back-to-back chin touchdowns, the double yeah. chin. Um, but I mean, I even wrote in the worksheet this week like if if you want to know it, it'd be like Cam Newton quarterbacking the Saints. Like we're seeing what it, what it's looking like right now. Oh. Uh, I mean, it's essentially what Taysom Hill is. He's like this ver- like the modern Cam Newton. Like this is what like what watching them each week on each, on their respective teams. I mean, except except that there's good wide receivers on. Yes. New true. Orleans. A Cam Newton in New Orleans would be really good. He'd be the running version of Cam Newton and he'd be able to get the ball to the wide receivers. Uh, let's <laughs> let's not do that to Cam Newton here. Um, this is like, a, yeah, sure. A Cam with the, the New England um, receivers. Oh my God, Taysom Hill in New England would be just awful. Or, yeah, no, actually, that'd probably be the, the same thing. But um, you know, like Cam in, in New Orleans would at least be able to, you know, get the ball to the wide receivers. Cam actually hasn't been – like, he's had two really bad games. The game he came off of uh, COVID against Denver um, and and this last week. But other than that, like, when he's been able to push the ball down the field, he's been fairly accurate. Uh, the problem is that just wasn't able to happen. He kind of had that relationship with Jacoby Myers a little bit, and it's gotten there. But I think Cam has played a, a lot better than uh, – then you know, a lot of his numbers and, and some of what he's looked are really. So I think if you get a situation where there's wide receivers available and there's, you know, an open passing game uh, that he could be able to hit, I think uh, he'd be putting up way better numbers uh, than what he is right now. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, for fantasy, they're the same guy because like, right, you sure. not, you're not going to get a passing touchdown from either guy. Uh, and if they don't score a rushing touchdown, you're boned. Uh, and luckily he's ran into and he's killed Alvin Kamara uh and and part of it too is like i said some preservation and some weird things with kamara you know they gave him a high workload sean payton has been on record before of saying that you know alvin kamara is you know not a guy that they want to give like as many like that amount of touches to that they are for have been forced into at times uh and so like there's a clear reduction there and then they're just running so few plays now with Taysom hill you know, oh, yeah. the offense the offense just isn't running they're not they still have no volume uh, which is also hurting them as well, which is another thing to play towards your under. This yep. is an intriguing matchup as well, because I th- if you go back to that game when they played Taysom Hill in the first start, I think maybe it caught the Falcons off guard a little bit in the first half that they, they used Taysom Hill as a traditional dropback passer. But granted, like the, the Saints didn't score. Like the Falcons were up 9-3 at the half of that game, and there was a missed field goal in there, but the Man, Falcons were her. ahead. Um, so, I mean, I feel like the, you know, they have to use Taysom Hill the way they've used him since the second half, the last six quarters of Taysom Hill 
is how they have to use him uh, to, to make their offensive drive successfully. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, what is real, what, what the Falcons, you know, they kind of, they've been a real Jekyll and Hyde team too, you know, especially since they fired Dan Quinn. And last week, I mean, you were on MTA, but there's no way that like you probably thought that was going to happen. Oh uh, yeah. I had that model now. 43 to six. So yeah. That's, that's the number I had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the most turnovers Derek Carr's had a game in his yeah. career. Uh, I mean, it was it was just an outright just dominant performance of their defense, um, and it's a defense that's been passed all over uh, this season. So uh, I'm curious to see how they bounce back as three point home dogs. Now they were what at, on the in New Orleans it was I don't remember what it closed as after Taysom it closed at three or three and a half also. Um, and you know now they, and they were ahead at halftime of that game. Uh, yeah. Julio, and that was a game where you know the Falcons have basically gone like they need a healthy Julio. Even Matt Ryan in that forty-three to six win threw for under five yards for pass attempt against the Raiders. Um, and that offense was not good at all. <laughs> no, it was and, all the turnovers. It was all yeah. Raiders' mistakes. I mean, um, yeah, they were not good at any level. So I mean, I'm curious. This is a very intriguing game, though. I mean, I definitely think that the you know, the, the Falcons could be a live home dog here. Yeah, look, so a couple things. I mean, it's telling. It's two and a half right now, minus 110. Like, and it opened at three and a half. Like, to go from three and a half to two and a half this early in the week, that tells you that the sharpest, the biggest, sharpest um, players are, are on Atlanta to go to, to got, drop under a key number like that. And there are no injuries for New Orleans, right? Like, there's nothing that has come out. So this is purely – Everyone's seeing like Taysom Hill through for what 59 yards last week against Denver. Luckily, they played against a uh, you know practice squad wide receiver. Uh, but this this offense is just not not going to move. And like you said, you know, uh, you know, I just can't pull the trigger because I think the Saints defense has been awesome. I mean, the Saints are number one in the NFL in the last five weeks in terms of success rate on defense. The car, the Falcons are number two. Um, so they're playing really well uh, overall. Now, again, you know, opponents matter there, but you know, they're playing really well. And you mentioned plays per game, you know, so far in two games, they're averaging uh, in Saints games, 113 plays per game. The NFL average is about 128. Um, in their first meeting, they played, they had 121 total plays. So even, even in their first meeting against a real quarterback in Matt Ryan, it was well below average. You know, so you got two, two defenses playing really well. You've got, um, you know, potential, whether Julio plays or not, you know, who knows? I mean, even if he plays, you can't trust him to play a full game. Um, you've got a running quarterback with Taysom Hill, who I just, yeah, like I said, I don't buy that he's going to throw, throw you back into a game or, you know, make big plays. So, um, and, you know, even in the first half or just overall in the, in the two starts with Taysom Hill in close game scenarios. So in one score scenarios they are still like the third most run heavy team in the NFL um, in those two weeks. So it's not just because they were blowing out Denver. They were up two touchdowns on Atlanta that they were kind of running out the clock. They were running, they were running the ball even when um, the game is close. So, you know, I think all of that is conducive to this under at 46. Um, and, you know, the fact that, like I said, the fact that the line dropped through three to two and a half, like keep an eye on that. Like that doesn't happen by accident. That's not public money. That's the sharpest, you know, biggest bets um, you can find. So, um, that one is an interesting one. So if you're looking out there, for people that are listening, the kind of the average Joe that says, oh, Saints minus two and a half seems too easy. Just uh, stay, stay away. Uh, that's my advice. Either take the, the Falcons or just lay off or just take my under and yeah, just under. Uh, root for uh, ugly, ugly football. Even better. Yeah, uh, Taysom Hill and ugly football is probably uh, something we can probably uh, bank on given the, the past two games. Um, so uh, I think we can uh, end there. 
Um, you can you know, find all of our work on Sharp Football Analysis. Rich has the worksheet up that uh, has the most fantasy information uh, you can find in one place. Uh, the amount of information in it every week is outstanding. Uh, you can find TA's work uh, on Sharp Football Analysis. So have uh, a betting preview uh, up this week looking at some of the games. Um, you can find Rich on Twitter at Ward Reeves. You can find TA on Twitter at Cleave TA. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bizzuta. Thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon.